What is an ambassador of love? That's what he was, man. Is that a gigolo? <laughs> no, he would find young ladies and he would marry them off to, to strapping young men. Oh, he was a matchmaker. Uh, He'd uh, find young ladies? Really? He's a pimp. <laughs> he, he may have been a pimp. He, he was the pimp, bro. You think he, History's yeah, first he, pimp. You think he had his way with him before he put him on the market? I don't know. Probably. He's like, yo, I got to see how what's talent. What's going on here? <laughs> have the best conversation before the actual record as well we do and the funny thing is it's uh probably equally as ridiculous as on the recording uh i wish it were like a personality facade thing that we do it's not really it's it's basically who we are we are we are who we are it's 2020 be free to be you well john you talk about ridiculous uh how about utah law would decriminalize polygamy among consenting adults um you know if you want to do it, go ahead, man. Who's who's stopping you? What the hell do I care? Polygamy is a funny thing, bro. Um, I mean, I personally disagree with it, but it's at the same time, it's none of my fucking business. Well, let me give you the rundown, and then and then let's let's delve into the nuance. But um, Utah uh, Utah lawmakers on Monday unanimously approved a bill that would decriminalize poly- polygamy among consenting adults. Reason why is they had since from eighty five years ago they had a, a law against polygamy. As you might expect. <laughs> oh, Josh, hold on a second. Utah, you say. I wonder what a uh, religious background these voters have. Are they certain members of a certain organized group think or belief that uh, potentially has had polygamy statutes clause and verbiage and then at one point became kind of taboo and they kind of attempted to sweep it under the rug and now are trying to pass law to legitimize it? Or am yeah, I thinking of a different – they're all Mormons. I'm uneducated and I'm speaking at, at a school because I have no idea what polygamy has to do with Mormonism. Is there, uh, there, there are trysts and verbiages and and uh, schools of thought amongst uh, the Mormon community uh, regarding polygamy. Is it a commandment? Like I don't know the like, exact details. Like the Jewish commandment of, of having having children. I, I I don't know. I know for a fact that it's wrapped in there somewhere. I don't know to what degree, to what sect, what what amount, uh, you know, or how so strongly it is enforced or not. Is every member of the Mormon church a polygamist? You're asking is the it? wrong person here. Okay. I have no anyway. idea. So anyway, uh, let me just give you the rundown here. Uh, this law has been in effect for 85 years, as you might expect. Do I sound nasally? I feel a little nasaled. No, you sound great, dude. Okay, you sure? Because I feel like I have coronavirus right now. Dude, I have some facts for you on the coronavirus, bro. And I, I wanted your opinion as as a doctor. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted the audience to be uh, exposed to the knowledge. But anyway, oh, I'm not armed with adequate knowledge to tell you about infectious disease and virology. That dude, is not my. Disease. That's not my. That's not my game or epidemiology, unfortunately. Yeah, dude, that that's a that's a brutal field. All those courses we took on that stuff. Yeah, tough, yeah, it's, it's uh, it takes a certain person. I will say that, like the uh, infectious disease folk I work with, yeah, they're uh, they're of a unique acumen. I guess they would say the same thing of uh, surgical specialties, 
but they're very smart people. It's like unreal. They pull things out of thin air that you're like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Are they the kind of people who enjoy like insurmountable problems? Is that is that the kind of itch that you need to have? Uh, yes. And your insurmountable problems from at least a <clears throat> infectious disease standpoint in the hospital yeah. are like child's play to what they like to, you know, uh, do for mental exercises and tease out things. And and very often that's where you get them giving you a response of like, you're a fucking idiot. It's this antibiotic or it's this antiviral or this antifungal. And you're like, all right, well, I don't know. It's not my, my specialty, but thanks. And then you look at like the stuff they concern themselves with uh, in the real high academic tier. And you're like, yeah, that's why this looks like a stupid question to them. But I don't know the answer, just as they probably don't know how to answer how to like fix a broken face or something, you know. But let me ask you this. It's very different in that someone in the health field. So you have a, you, you have this declared, uh, is it, is it a, and is it endemic now? Is it a pandemic? I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a internal medicine doctor, infectious disease doctor. My subset of skills doesn't really apply to this as much or and knowledge base. So I'm not really I'm qualified just, to speak on it. I have one other question, just generally, maybe you have the answer to this one. So the CDC, like that's the arm of a government that's, that's basically like, you know, armed with scientists who are, are paid to solve this kind of problem. Is that, sure. is that, is it their job to basically fight against the stuff? Uh, yes. Okay. So how does that, to some does, degree, the C, yeah. does the CDC work? Is it a global, like kind of, kind of ordeal where the CDC says, all right, we're going to put our minds together and we're going to share all this. <clears> uh, the CDC is a, is a United States government thing from what I understand. So I'm sure they have surveillance outposts and different uh, contractors, et cetera, uh, at, in different locations outside the United States, but I don't necessarily know if they have the power to declare things or who quite frankly listens to them outside of the U S they might be the standard. I don't think so. I think it's the, the WHO, the world health organization that kind of really puts out the uh, Interpol like internationalness of health. Right. Right. Like the IMF controls like banking internationally. It's like right. that. It's like this third-party bastion of whatever. Right, right. So it, I wonder if it's like a race, you know, kind of like just like a pride thing. Like this country did it first, that country did it second. Anyway, just curious about that. Well, there are twists of, of nationalism, xenophobia, uh, right. et cetera, wrapped into this, which I think is kind of interesting. Right, something Trump would brag about. Uh, I, I don't know one way or another okay. about that, per se, but it's being used by certain camps that I hear to uh, propagate more disdain for the rising West, which is kind of interesting. Right. But in the end, something like that really comes down to resources and funds, I would imagine, right? If the U.S. really wanted to be awesome at that, you just dump money into it, right? Like in the end, yeah, like you just like you conflict just in the Middle the East, mines, just dump money into it. That's different. No, I mean, you can't just throw money at something and expect there to be a solution for it. I would imagine. You know, it's like the rich kid that like is like, I gave my son everything. Why is he a piece of shit? I wonder. Well, you just threw money at him. Maybe the thing, the solution is something else. You know, just because you throw money at something doesn't mean the outcome is going to be great. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced. I, I understand what you're saying. I think when it comes to science, though, more often than not, if you just suck up all the talent there is from around the world, you should be able to 
be better at solving problems, don't you think? Mm, yes and no. Yes yeah, and no. Maybe not. Just theory based on nothing. Anyway, let me give you some quick facts here. Uh, it's now infected more than 60,360 people. There have been 1,370. So that statistic, deaths. just real quick, just to be always the, the doubting Thomas Aquinas here of this whole thing. Um, when you say that a virus has infected somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean much except it's confirmed transmission. It doesn't necessarily tell you how well the person is doing, if they're going to die from it, if they're just infected with it. And fine. So many people are technically colonized with MRSA, right? But they're okay. They don't have, you know, gross skin breakdown, lesions, et cetera. So it's, you know, okay. That statistic okay, exists, whatever no, it is. That's, that's good to know. Right? That's so it could be contributing to, to a little bit of sensationalism. It could not. But just from a sort of statistics literacy angle. Anyway, continue. Sorry. No, that's good to know. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Or maybe I did. I don't know. No, it, it, you probably do if you think about it. But like yeah. when it's thrown at you, you're like, oh, shit, how many people are infected? Whoa, what's going on? Right. Okay, no, that's a good clarification. But let me finish. So there have been 60,360 people uh, infected, which we know what that means now. There have been 1,370 confirmed deaths and 6,280 confirmed recoveries attributed to the virus. And it's now in 25 countries. Sure. That's a lot of countries, man. 25 is a lot, dude. I mean, if you're at a number like 25, you'd have to imagine that's not far from every country once you're at 25. Well, yeah, certainly it's a exponential or, you know, whatever, logarithmic uh, yeah. scale, right? Right. You would imagine 25 is, stag- is way past the mark of, like, containable. Well, not only that, but if you think about it, it's... You know, 25 major countries. How many other countries are tracking it? Where are you tracking it? You know, there's a chance that it's in some country that you don't have a metric on or have a poor metric or whatever, you know. So, okay. The other thing is, and I can tell you this because I basically do all all of our businesses down in China. Right, sure. A staggering majority. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to China every day. I will tell you this about China. The fact that they tell you. I don't know, X number of people are infected or whatever the numbers they tell you. It's probably 17 times. It's, I would say, at least 25 times. Oh, I'm sure. In reality. I'm sure. I mean, there is nothing, there is nothing that, that these that these people are transparent about. Well, well just think the about it, Josh. Like, something the, like Just that. real quick, right? What benefit do they have of saying the actual amount of people that are truly infected? As opposed to what benefit do they have about minimizing it hmm which is more likely to happen from a pr standpoint there you go bro let me give you another story this is a true story that happened that i heard about from one of my suppliers who 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 has a very strong does it feel does it feel uh empowering to say that by the way oh it's just one of my suppliers no big deal like that's that's a pretty impressive thing to have accomplished at uh this sort of uh stage in your career well, I don't know. Just no, just a little no, little little pat on the back there. No, I can't say my suppliers. Let me tell you about my suppliers. I don't know. Well, let me let me be fair to you. I, I didn't develop the source. The source was there when I got got to this place like five years ago. But anyway. fine. Nevertheless, you can still say your supplier. That's a pretty yeah, cool thing to say. We're very close. Which uh, either I find that very high uh, functioning individuals that are very well established can say that, or folks that are drug seekers and drug users. It really is uh, in extremes. If you're in the goods business, everybody's got a supplier. But anyway, be that as it may, um, this is someone I'm close with. He's a friend of mine. Sure. You know, he's he, he's my age. He works at this company. He's like 
you know, he's my position at that company. Is he single? No, he's actually married. No, I'm just wondering. For a friend. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. Um, anyway, so what he's saying is he's got an office in Shanghai, right? Mm-hmm. And he has, you know, I think he said there's six people who work in the office. So he calls the office and he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, he, he his job is to get the updates from Shanghai and basically tell everyone like me, like, what's actually happening, right? So he says one of his, his I think the, the office manager or whoever it is of mm-hmm. the office the lady, her husband was on a train. So it's Chinese New Year now in China, which means a lot of people who live in the big, who are working in the big yes. cities. And live yes, in yes, the, yes, yeah, yeah. So they, so they New Year, the year train. of the rat. Anyway, whatever it is. So he's on a long train back from his hometown to Shanghai mm-hmm. and the train gets hijacked. Well, not hijacked, but sort of commandeered by the communist government. The government, the government stops the train, right? And says, everyone off the train, you're being sure. quarantined. You're being quarantined. So they're quarantined in some hotel in remote China and there's really no contact allowed other than phone calls. So no, they don't really know where they are and they can't really tell the loved ones where they are. Right. Just, Excuse me. just that they're in this place. And my 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 coworker is telling me this and I said and he, he tells he says to me, I asked the girl, you know, the, the lady, the, the wife, how she feels about this. Like that must be devastating for you. Your husband is in the middle of nowhere. You have no idea if and when he's ever coming back. He might get the coronavirus at any po- point in time, right? Why was the train commandeered? Presumably because someone on the train was infected. Okay. So she says her response to him is no, this is what they have to do for the country. Oh, bro, we're going to get the shit kicked out of us. Bro, that's a real story. We are going to get rocked on the geopolitical scale. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, you do that on a train anywhere here, they're going to be like, yo, fuck this. I'm going on Instagram. Like, we're out here on the train. Fuck the government. Like, all this crazy shit. (laughs) That's That's crazy. Just the schools of thought are unbelievable. But let me tell you, though, is that brainwashing? Is that brainwashing? Ooh, we're going in the wormhole. We're going there. well, let me give me give me give me the runway here. So, great great question. I think when you have that many people, and I'm looking at a globe right now because I have one on my desk that I really love. If you look at the size of China, and you really just take uh, 20 seconds to just visualize the mass, like go on Google Maps right now. Well, I was just gonna say, man, you're flexing right here with a globe. I'm like, yeah. I have Google Maps. That's what I got. Google Earth. I like my Dude, Just look at the size of it, Matt. You can't control that kind of a territory without a little bit of brainwashing it's too vast Mm. don't you think you can't not have an. you heard it here first folks we're pro brainwashing no okay (laughs) i'm just kidding no i'm teasing i understand what you're saying how do you unify such a wide swath of territory with various historic uh, periods of feudalism, pseudo-colonialism, etc. Yeah, no, I got it. If you look at ancient Rome, right, post-Caesar, when they became an empire, Mm -hmm. the biggest problem they had was every emperor they had eventually ran out of people he could trust because the empire was so vast, you had to have people delegated to different parts of the world to do their job. Eventually, these people would amass power and say, you know what, I'm the big big dick in town. I'm I'm the big cheese. Right. And inevitably, they the big slaughter each other. Right. And slaughter each other's families and, until they, they became emperor, until the next power struggle. Wow. Right. That's kind of the deal, man. It, it, if you if you if you can't reel it in with some ideology, you got to have something to unify. Yeah. For, no, for sure. That's, right. that's and Rome had plenty to unify them. Like, is it people. true <laughs> that uh, Rome wasn't built in a day? 
That's indeed a fact. I, I had to. I'm sorry. It was just so we're just right there. There was a low hanging fruit, low hanging yeah. fruit. Yeah. So that's a deal. It's interesting that you say they're going to kick our ass on the geopolitical scale. I couldn't agree with you more. Just to, to that last point, I, I think you couldn't be more right because how do you compete with a country that is cool with something like that? You're like, yeah, whatever. It's the best thing for a country. Right. It is. Keep them. You can have them. This is the love of my life. I've had kids with this person. No problem. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So that's that's where that is. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Since we're on the wild stretch, mm. speaking of coronavirus, are you familiar with a man by the name of Jim Baker? Uh, that sounds so generic. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know who he is. I just came across him. But the man <laughs> is a pastor. <laughs> he's, a pi- he's the pioneer of Christian television, apparently. Pretty big dude. He's an is that guy that does that 700 club or whatever? I don't know. That there's this old frumpy gentleman that's like leaned over like cathodic and he's like, thank you for tuning in to Christian 24 seven midnight special. Today we have someone calling in from Biloxi and you're like, who watches this crap? Like, (laughs) and I shouldn't say crap. I apologize. Uh, Crap in relation to the, the quality of television, not crap in of the religious background, which some might say that that is also crap. Fine. But so this man is an ex-convict. He's a sex scandalist and a TV and an evangelist. Oh, that's like um, sounds exactly reminiscent of what's that guy of the Alaska family that lives out there in Alaska, allegedly like out and about. It's always on discovery. I don't know. Oh, what's this guy's name? This guy's a con artist and a half. I'm sure people listening kind of know who the hell I'm talking about. Well, this man is a snake oil entrepreneur. Guess what he said? Like Peter Popoff? Holy water? Do, would you like to guess what this man is selling? What is he selling? Just guess. Pillows? Flex seal? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is he talking? A purported coronavirus cure that also turns your you blue for no additional charge. Oh! I always wanted to be corona-free and a member of the Blue Man Group. Sign me up. Dump him in Wuhan with only a bottle of colloidal silver and let God sort it out. <laughs> what? That was, that was that was one comment. That's very interesting. That's reminiscent of Peter Popoff. And then you know, have you seen that that documentary about the Amazing Randy? I have not. Oh my goodness! I highly recommend it to everyone. I'm not going to give away too much. It's basically this magician that goes around debunking all these. Uh, uh, modern healers, miracle workers, people that claim that they have psychic powers, etc., from uh, a very objective and systematic uh, sort of scientific approach. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like Yuri Geller, who's like bending spoons and stuff, he like calls him out on it, basically outs him like in front of the entire world stage of this guy's full of shit. Anyway, because he's so clearly full of shit. I mean, obviously, yeah, right. So he just like unequivocally proves it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Nevertheless, uh, where were we? Well, we went from polygamy to uh, coronavirus. We're everywhere um, and back. Anyway, anyway, um, there is one thing. There's one situation that happened this week that I thought was was pretty interesting. Mm. Um, So I have a very, very small, obviously, online profile, right? Um, we, we, We spoke about, you know, the Twitter mob and all this craziness. Sure. So I, I have no exposure 
to the wokesters on Twitter, like the Twitter mob, because I'm not important enough, right? I've, I've never been privy to the tirade. And that's a good thing. I'm sure. Happy about yeah. That. And we I, said I that really... that we're happy about that because we can yeah. go through our daily lives without the whateverness. Anyway. OK. Right. Anyway. So I think I had my first sort of experience, though. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to read you exactly what happened. OK. So uh, a certain person, I, I'll say person, tweets the following. I know the GOP is salivating at talking points tonight from Oscars, but I'm here in Indiana where Brad Pitt said he had 47 seconds, and that's um, and that's more than John Bolton got, right? Sure. Um, so he's she's basically saying how great it is that Brad Pitt is making these points, right? To be honest with you, I don't even know what he said, but nevertheless, okay. Brad Pitt basically came out and said, uh, the Oscars told me I have 45 seconds. That's 45 seconds more than John Bolton got. John Bolton is was someone who was yes. really should have been called you know, to the stand. Yeah, I, I, I got that much. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know what else he said, though, in terms of his speech, because I would imagine you don't just say that and then not mention anything about politics. That's a total tease. I don't know. He may Did he just not. say that as like a joke and then left it at that? Because I would it imagine – not. It was definitely not that, a joke. You say that, and then it follows with some other, you know, point. Like, this is my view, and this is what you should believe. Which is fine, but that's kind of a little bit of a tease. It's like, hey, guys, you'll never guess what happened last weekend. Honestly, and then you don't, bro, you don't say what happened last weekend. It's a leading thing, and then to nowhere. It's like a bridge to nowhere, you know? All right, let me look it up, because now... He must have said something else. I don't know. I don't know. He may have just gone on. If he just said that and like uh, drop Mike, that's kind of funny. All right. Um, oh, he thinks his kids. All right. Here, I'll play it for you. Here. No, actually, I can't play it. All right. Um, no, dude. He 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 went on. To Quit playing kids. games with my heart. Yeah, dude. I don't think it, he turned political from there. But anyway, this this person's thought on on Twitter was, you know, um, that the GOP is going to find talking points to like make fun of Brad Pitt, and her point is. You know what? It's just so great that our 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 actors and our you know people we look up to are are bringing this to light, and hope and you know that this is such a great thing. Okay, and I responded, sure, but will it ultimately matter in any considerable, measurable way? That was my that was my question. I I wasn't trying to be provocative. I was just trying to point out which the answer I think everyone knows, but nevertheless. But never my my point was that's really nice, but we're living in a, in a time where the impeachment trial wasn't an actual trial. I don't really think Brad Pitt's the savior here. That that's really what I'm trying to say. Well, but anyway. th that's fair. Uh, I don't. I always find it very very hilarious how actors uh, all of a sudden become the leading experts on whatever cause they're championing. The the skill set doesn't translate. It's you know, I don't know. Anyway, like if they were like, oh, you know what? I'm really passionate about this. And this person who's been studying it all their life and knows about this says this. And I think he's right. That'd be different than, you know what? Vaccines cause autism because I'm a celebrity. And people are like, yep, she's right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. So this is the response. How no, many times are we going to say nevertheless this episode, by the way? I think it's kind of funny. This is the response. No. Okay, response hit it. But I don't appreciate your minimizing my feelings on this. Whoa. I know where I stand as a woman in Indiana, and it's not a great place. 
So that's so loaded with identity politics already. That's the response. And I really want to unpack this. Um, and I'm not saying who this person is, so I'm not here to put you on blast. That's fine. I really just want to explain my view of this transaction. It's our platform, Josh. You're allowed to do that. And and I'd like for you to sort of moderate my, um, one-sided debate. Okay. Well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a biased moderator. But well, I, I'd like to make my case to you, and I'd like for you to listen to what I have to say, and for you to tell me if I'm crazy. Hear ye, hear ye. Court is in order. Okay. Let's start with the most obvious uh, pitfall here. Right? I don't know what the word is. I'm. Her point is about this is good for society. Okay. And my point is about that's really nice, but will it matter in terms of getting the equality you seek? Right. And her response is about her. It's about an internal thing. It's about she's saying that I'm minimizing her feelings. Right. She feels personally attacked. Right. Right. Nothing I ever said in my response has anything to do with her. In fact, my response had nothing to do with her because the point was outside of you, it won't matter. See, um, let me tell you, be a little selfish like her and tell you about my perspective on this. Yes, go ahead, please. Uh, as a former masterful troll online, that's a response I would get to bait someone in to just typing paragraphs. Like I would with what she said. Because that's like very baiting, right? I don't know. I, I think it's kind of funny because George was like, yeah, whatever. It's not going to matter. And then this person's like, you've personally insulted me. Whoa. And it's like. Not really. Uh, it's just like you're expressing your wants, likes, fears, desires, or whatever, and feel that you're personally attacked by whatever statements in the nether. I think, you know, you're just saying, hey, um, this is uh, what I believe in. I don't think it's going to matter much. It's not going to move the barometer much. Yeah, so I have but you can't have You with... can't have, like, I don't know, uh, good political discourse or good academic discourse or whatever you want to call it with someone that takes things personally because the facts are the facts at the end of the day. Well, I realize that now and I do regret making a comment because I, if you ask me, am I going to get anything out of this, out of this, out of this exchange, I, I would tell you no. So that's fine. Um, but my first point is I don't understand why people walk around taking things so personally. Especially as someone that you've never probably met before, will never see ever, and have no other interaction with. Why should your response even bother them enough? I mean, it's well, it's sometimes bother. to the forget point where if you look at some of the news articles, etc., and just see people's and read people's comments, you're like, these people are getting so worked up over something. And then they go back to their nine to five job and do whatever medial tasks they have to do. Myself included, come back, no, but this is different. Express this is yourself beautiful. in a weird yeah, way, and then do it again. All right, you get riled up, and then you go do something you hate for eight hours. Then you come home, and you need to blow off steam, so you get more riled up. Well, and yeah, it's not healthy behavior for sure. No, it's brutal. It's brutal. That, but that, not that I understand it, but I can empathize with someone being in that kind of emotional rut. Like I get it, man. You're like your life sucks, and you get some pleasure on basically crapping on somebody else and that's really really sad 
but at least I sort of understand. Well, not only way that way, the way they're trying to crap on somebody else, it's like you've attacked me and this is how I feel and you don't know how I feel, so I'm right. Well, I think there, it's an offshoot, right? I think what I just described and what you just described are related in some way. I think it's a vestige of the okay. same thing. Sure. But I think that people are sensitive because... You might say that, two sides of the same coin. I think that people are sensitive because they're selfish. I think that they're selfish because they're so used to hearing their own opinions and the whatever silo they're in on the internet, they're so used to that self-affirmation that any affront to that sort of insulated bubble is seen as a personal attack. Mm. That that's my that's my theory on that. Sure. But be that as it may. The other thing I don't understand um where she's making it about where she stands as a woman and it's not a great place. I never questioned where she stood as a woman. Sure. There was no mention of that. That was all volunteered information. In fact, I I would have nothing to say about you as a woman because I am not a woman. <laughs> like I, I would never tell a woman as a woman, you should feel a certain way. I never understood. I never understood how that made any sense. No, it doesn't make about, any sense. Right. I, I don't know. I've had very few experiences where people would tell me as an Iranian, you should feel a certain way. People don't really tell me that. Like, you know what right. I mean? So I'm not used to telling others as a so-and-so. Like, that's not something that really ever happened in my life. Maybe I'm I'm insulated. Mm. But what's this new thing where everyone just self-projects their, their life? On Can I tell others? you something, though? The funny thing is the world doesn't give a fuck about how people feel. Yeah. That's, it's, that's the grim reality. And you know what the grim deep down inside, and, and I might sound like a cynical bastard as I always do, reality is... Nobody else gives a shit about how you feel either. And you, you know, like very few people do. And those people, you should probably call them family or friends. You know what I'm saying? But outside of that, outside of that sphere, nobody really cares. Well, it's a brutal world, man. It really is. I mean, yeah, and we try to keep, you know, smooth off all the edges to it and bubble wrap things and and coddle people. And then but that's not how the world works. As much as we want it to be like this idealistic society, it's just not like that. But how do we really as a society because as you were thinking America, that you're insulted as how you feel as a uh, X gender with X, you know, internal feeling with X body parts, etc. There are people in China that have their family abducted by the government, basically. And they're like, hey, no big deal. It's for the cause, baby. It's like, hey, it, the world's brutal, man. Is it society that's coddling people? Or is it the conveniences of life that's coddling people? It's both. I think it's more the conveniences of life, man. The fact that you can purchase fast food and shove it down your gullet in two and a half minutes. You'd have no chance in the wild, man. <laughs> you'd be the first to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just, I think people are, I mean, I'm soft, dude. I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive in the woods. I mean, I wouldn't survive for a day. I have no idea. For a day, you'd survive a day. Come on. Maybe, maybe a day, bro. You'd, I, Josh, I would give you, even though you're born hunt. and raised city slicker, I'd give you, I think you could get a solid week. Bro, I can't hunt. I don't know if I could start a fire. I, I really don't know. No, I, you'll figure it out. You're smart, dude. Dude, this isn't about smartness, man. This is about exposure. Have you done it before? Pitch a tent. I could do that. All right, I could pitch a tent. 
Um, food? Uh, no is that a euphemism? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got I to gotta bring some comedy in. We've been pretty serious all night. Yeah. I don't know, man. People are soft, but how do you change that? I don't know. Can you change it? Well, I will tell you this. Um, so you, you're a traveler, right? Of sorts. You, you know, you're absolutely well-traveled. You go to certain countries and you understand there is a different kind of work ethic here. So oh, Israel, for sure. Yeah, Israel's a great example. For sure. Israel. You think we work hard in America because in comparison to maybe some Scandinavian countries, in the vast majority of the world, we got it pretty good. Um, Yeah, dude. If you go to Israel, so it, it's just a different vibe. It's not even a hustler's vibe. It's that imagine a little a tiny country half the size of New Jersey where everyone in this country has a military background and fluent in martial arts. Everybody, the entire country, men, women, all of them. I, I know, bro. I've seen me. Don't mess with the Zohan. Yeah, man. Uh, Israelis are bad mofo. That guy made a pretzel out of a dude with his feet. Jesus. Tell me you've seen that movie. He, <laughs> don't mess with the Zohan, Adam Sandler. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, come on, Josh. You, you must have seen that movie. I, I missed that part. I missed that part. Um, anyway. Moving on. I've got something else for you that, that might... Lay it on me, man. Mind. So this is going to be a little dense. It took me... I had to read this I'm twice. I'm pretty dense. Sort of understand. <laughs> I had to read this twice to really understand what I was reading. Oh, boy. Um, but as a scientist, you're going to appreciate this. They found evidence of a ghost population of ancient humans. Traces of unknown ancestor emerged when researchers analyzed genomes from West African populations. So basically, the Neanderthals are essentially the father of our species is that scientifically sort of accurate? sure something like that i don't know okay i've so been a while they found a, a side group basically a little a little patch you know a little a little tribe in west africa ancient aliens no so they weren't neanderthals they were something else and they essentially came in contact with the neanderthals ostensibly during their conquest of the world and they bred, they inbred, obviously. They, they, you know, they did what you do. Um, and they now account to 9 to 12% of our DNA. And the way they can figure that out is they know the other um, subspecies of human. So they can, they can basically put those mm. genes in a pool and, and encode them. And they, can, they basically see that this 9 to 12% chunk is completely different from the other four. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't that nuts? That's nuts. Two to nineteen percent. I mean, that's a wide Dude, range. Dude, ancient aliens, deal. bro. That's where they came from. The four population studies came from three countries: two from Nigeria, one from one each from Sierra Leone and 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 the Gambia. Not that I know where any of that is. Wow. The findings are far from definitive, but according to the scientists' best estimates, the ghost population split from ancestors of Neanderthals and modern humans between 360,000 and 1 million years ago. The group of perhaps 20,000 individuals then bred with the ancestors of modern West Africans at some point in the last 124,000 years. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of Africa, and I mentioned Adam Sandler previously, did you see Uncut Gems? No. Did you? I did. I have a child, so I don't I don't see films anymore. Was it good? <laughs> um, <laughs> unique. I'll give it I'll give it a uh, a B, solid B. Uh, good. He played this role. Uh, it's just interesting. That's all. I good wish we could, we could have a discussion. Yeah, 
I, I mean, dude, I, that's the one thing when you have, when you have a kid, you just, you stop going to the movies. Mm. It, it's, it's too taxing. You don't have the time. It's, it's too large of a chunk. Yeah. I went with the, uh, the girlfriend side, uh, when yeah. it yeah. came out about, I don't know, maybe two months ago or a month ago or whatever. It's all blurred to me. Speaking of girlfriend, we've got Valentine's Day coming up. St. Valentino's Day, yes. So I was doing research for tonight's show. Okay. And as I was Well, at least one of us was. <laughs> as I was reading the Wikipedia of the history of Valentine's Day, I realized we did this last year. <laughs> did we? Yeah, dude. The history of St. Valentine what? and the two people who, who like to perform weddings in Rome. Oh, you know what? At least Remember we're consistent. That? At least yeah. we're consistent. Well, I'm not going to repeat myself, but basically... <laughs> I'm not going to repeat myself, but here's exactly what I said a year ago. No, so I'm not... That's no, it. I'm Why not? not? I don't know. I don't remember it. the same story, but there's two dudes. They were ambassadors of love. The, uh, the government took exception and basically murdered them on February 14th. So we're celebrating their lives. Interesting. But, yeah. What is an ambassador of love? That's what he was, man. Is that a gigolo? No, he would find young ladies and he would marry them off to, to strapping young men. Oh, he was a matchmaker. Uh, He'd yeah, find young ladies? Really. He's a pimp. <laughs> he, he may have been a pimp. He, he was the pimp, bro. You think he, History's yeah, first he, pimp. You think he had his way with him before he put him on the market? I don't know. Probably. He's like, yo, I got to see how what's talent. What's going on here? <laughs> I got to make my I got to make my recommendation. I don't know. That's that sounds awfully nefarious. Yeah, man. So what was I saying? Oh, so I realized uh, I realized that I had already looked at this. But the one thing that struck me was Shakespeare himself made a really big deal out of Valentine's Day. And that's sort of where it emanated from. He sort of mm. gave it that boost. It was like the NBA in the early 70s it was on its last legs. Mm. And then, you know, Bird and Magic came along. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this guy was the Bird and Magic to uh, Valentine's Day. So he was the he he fanned the flames of Saint Valentino's Day. Interesting. He was. Uh, I think he he wrote about it. Is, is quite a hipster romantic. Shakespeare for his time, yeah. Before hipsters were were cool. Shakespeare was the OG hipster. How did Shakespeare die? Uh, I was going to say something, but too soon. That's very mean. I'm not going to say it. Never mind. We can edit that out. That was pretty crass, my thought. You didn't You didn't say anything. I, I know. I even thought it, and I felt guilty. So I don't even know what you're talking about. We'll keep it in anyway and see how, how evil people think I am. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's That's been fine. speculated that he died of syphilis or was even murdered. Helen explores the theory that comes from a diary written by Stratford Vicar 50 years after Shakespeare's death. Shakespeare's death. It tells of Shakespeare going out drinking with his writing friends and then dying of a fever shortly afterward. Interesting. Why'd they whack him? He got whacked. Why'd they do that? I don't know. He, maybe they didn't get whacked and he just died of yellow fever because... Nah, dude, that guy got whacked. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna uncover the death of Shakespeare. That dude definitely got whacked. Yeah, you don't just go out drinking with your homies and you're you're healthy and you just oh he's done. Um he got hemlocked. I'll give you an example of a really famous poisoning. Marcus Aurelius. Remember him? Mm, the name's familiar. Marcus Aurelius was a badass. Dude, Mark this man was a philosopher extraordinaire and and a voluminous murderer. Wow. <laughs> A battle-hardened warrior. And, and, you know, he also liked to sit around and ponder. 
He's quite, quite, quite the fellow. Mm. Anyway, um, his woman, uh, when his wife thinks that he's dead in, in battle, uh, goes to the number two in Egypt, who was stationed in Egypt at the mm-hmm. time. And she, uh, shall we say, makes herself available to this man. What a hoe. <laughs> to sort of save her life and her family's life, mm. thinking that if I latched on to, you know, the next number one, they'll keep me alive. Sure. Uh, turns out uh, Marcus wasn't dead. So he summons his woman and uh, he poisons her. Uh, she she tries to lie to him and say that it never happened. And he's like, bullshit. And then he poisons her. Wow. They're, that's like a ancient episode of Maury. That's how it, they did it back then, bro. That's uh, how they did it back then. <laughs> I think that's how back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They had a son who was really uh, spoiled and he basically turned out to be a pansy. That was a shame. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Grew communist. up in the lap of luxury and is a pansy. Hmm. Yeah. Communist. Communist. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he had it all laid out for him, but he, uh, he, uh, he dabbled in the, uh, shall we say, uh, women of the night. <laughs> ah, <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> this is a family show. That's where we censor it at women of the night, but the women of the night. we'll say all other ridiculousness that comes to mind. Yeah, man. So yeah, communist was a pansy. That's what we always say, bro. Crown molding makes bitches. Communist was the first example. Yeah. Woman of the night and uh, street pharmacist. That's that's one of my favorites. Is a street pharmacist. Yeah. Wait, wait. A street. <laughs> Who says that? Think about that. Think about what a street pharmacist is, Josh. I did, that's I a great saying. First, is I didn't it not? Know what you were talking about. <laughs> Uh, who says street pharmacist? I say it. I heard some other one, some other person say it, and I was like, I'm going to start using that. That's amazing. Did someone come to you and say, I'm a street pharmacist? No, 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 no. <laughs> someone was um, informing me of a friend of theirs profession saying that, you know, they had this going for them and that going for them, and now they are a street pharmacist. And they were trying to say it in a polite way but to let me know where their life decisions, actions, choices has led the person. And I see. I was like, you know what? I heard this many years ago. I was like, I'm using this now. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, one quick thing on polygamy. Well, not, not necessarily <laughs> quick, but I, I, this thing was stewing and, and, and we, we skipped. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think polygamy went out of style? Because biblically, if you believe in that, uh, polygamy was, shall we say, ubiquitous. Sure. Uh, everyone had. When did it become wife. uncool? Yeah. When did it When did it become posh to have more than one wife? Like, how do you suppose that transition happened? Or to not have more than one wife? Yeah. Like, there had to be a point where it went from, you know, think of bell-bottom jeans. At some point, they got phased. If out, you right? have more than one wife, does that mean that eventually all women will have more than one husband, though? Yes. Well. The pool the is way, only so limited. The way our ancient ancestors, well, I don't know if ancient's the word, the way our early ancestors uh, did it was the women would basically avail themselves to all the men, and the men wouldn't know whose kids are whose, so they'd all have to take care of each other. So it was... That it, sounds it, painful. Uh, well, it sounds like an orgy, is what it sounds like. That sounds like at any given day, you're going to have like 37 kids. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, That's painful. Day was, it was swappy Thursdays, bro. They just, wow. you know, they just no, thank you. That's how they survived. Yep. And that's yes. why average life expectancy was probably like five, given all the sexually transmitted diseases. You think, you think that was a big deal back then? 
or was it so back then that it wasn't a big deal because everyone was so organic uh how can i say this equally exposed yeah literally and figuratively it's probably malnourishment disease you know not improper care during childbirth sure sure but who knows they may have been built differently bro they may have just been built for just dropping them in the woods and going about oh my god you know that's one way somewhere to to be that speaking of uh maternity and care did you see that super bowl ad that was uh not aired or taken off the air rather for a postpartum woman did not know. Okay. Very interesting. We'll talk about it next episode. Postpartum woman. All right. I'm gonna, let's wrap up with a, a lighthearted story. <laughs> let's hit it. Lighthearted story. I, I want it like a um, men's warehouse. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. You're going to like the story. Uh, this one, this one not only made me chuckle, but made me proud on so many different levels. Okay. Girl Scouts cash in selling cookies outside of Chicago marijuana dispensary. Genius. Love it. Smart <laughs> thinking, ladies. It's uh, mar- uh, marijuana is recreational legal in Illinois. That one took me by surprise. That doesn't surprise me. Really? I didn't know Illinois was that, yeah. was that blue. Did you? I had no idea. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I go to Chicago a lot. Good for Chicago. There you go. Um yeah, dude. Uh, the yeah. cookies they're selling in our clientele. It's a great match. Abigail Watkins, marketing and outreach manager for the dispensary, told Plot Club Chicago, as a formal Girl Scout, I admire the hustle. There you go. It's smart. It's genius. Oh, dude, that's like... <laughs> you you know, can pick up an ounce and on. pick up some Thin Mints or whatever. I don't know. Pick your poison. Literally. That's amazing. Why not? Uh, if it's legal. You know, that, you know that Dave Chappelle line? Uh, you don't sell drugs. Drugs sell themselves. It's the greatest marketing scheme of, of drugs everywhere. Cookies sell themselves, bro. <laughs> Literally. That's so true. That's well, I mean, similar reward systems, you know? Uh, so sure. Why Why are Girl Scout cookies only sold during a very defined period? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Do you think I, that I if they were available year-round, their sort of annual novelty would wear off? Maybe that's why they do it. Scarcity. Scarcity is a great sales tactic. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's why they do it. Dude, the uh, speaking of scarcity, the are you familiar with the Trader Joe's chocolate babka? Uh, I am actually, yes. Because for a Gentile, I am very well versed in that field of pastry. <laughs> if you remember, would it be yeah. considered a pastry? I consider it a pastry. I absolutely consider it. Yeah, it's a pastry. It's a baked good. Uh, Because you remember you recommended to me Moishis? Oh, dude, Moishis is a shit. Amazing. I went in there. I literally, I wanted to buy the place out. The lady was like, no, I got to at least like have two more to sell. I promised one to another person and I need another one on the shelf. I, I bought like six of them for, when was it? Like Thanksgiving time. Um. Yeah, dude, you're pretty well versed uh, for even a non-Gentile, I would say. But anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the chocolate babka seasonal, apparently, which I didn't know. And you can get it on Amazon during off-season for like seven times the price. No way. Yeah, dude, that's a real hustle, the babka. <laughs> I lo- it's so funny. It's a hustle. Uh, like, 
That's amazing. I love it. People are just flipping, <laughs> flipping it on Amazon. Flipping bopkas. I mean, Probably. it's why not, right? There's a supply. There's a demand. It's limited, and the demand exceeds the supply. Like sneakers, people do the flip sneakers. People. <laughs> Somewhere That's in America, amazing. John, there's someone who's made twenty five thousand dollars on bopka. They're like the king of the game. They're like, yeah, I know a guy. He, as soon as the pallet hits the warehouse, like I got him on back door. He fills up right. a couple trucks for me, and we're good. The whole pallet. The whole. Pallet. Yeah, I take the pallet yeah. from the warehouse. Doesn't even hit store shelves. There's right. a guy just still hustling. Wrapped. Yeah. Still wrapped. Still hustling. He's like, I got climbing control fridge. I can keep him good all year round. I give him 20 <laughs> points off the top. We have a deal. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's some some mastermind that's flipping these. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. He's got a monopoly on Bobka's. It's great. Why not? It's Why it's not? a hustle, though. It's, it's a game. That's, that's amazing that somebody can do that. You identify the market. You see what's in demand, and it goes. It works. Sneakers flipping, though, that's a different game, man. There are some people who make serious cheddar on that. Yes. Yeah. What do they do? They just wait in line? They just wait in line. They got people to wait in line. They get like a squad of like – so uh, from what I understand, the most successful folks kind of – sneakerhead. We should tell the folks. I'm not. A little bit. Uh, I've fallen out in the last few months. I don't know what's really, really hot right now. Okay. But, um, I'm not at all a sneakerhead, so please tell me. Um, there, there are people usually big in the Instagram community or have made it big on Instagram that have a crew of their friends – yeah. That they go wait in line and it's like a pack of like 10 kids and they just yeah. buy them. He pays them whatever it is to wait in line and then he sells the sneakers for depending on how rare they are up to like a 200% markup plus sometimes. So this is for a piece that uh, he bought for 300. He's flipping for six. Well, he, he not necessarily 300 anywhere from we'll say 160 to 300. Yeah. He's flipping. He's flipping at a 200% margin. Something like that. Yeah, it depends. Maybe 300% depends. If you, a lot of the stuff that goes overseas, uh, or there's some people, even the big game, is a lot of people have uh, like personal shoppers. So they'll hire this guy and say, you know what? Here's 30k. You're gonna go to Supreme or whatever. Uh, I like sneakers more, so I'm not much into the the hype beast clothing crap. Um, it's inflated. But um, I like cool designs and stuff, but I like the sneakers more so. Um, but nevertheless, wait in line. Uh, they buy out like, Don't you know. Don't you need a lot of bodies? Whatever. You yeah. You have your friends. Whatever. It's yeah. the same thing. And he'll he'll send everything back. And, you know, he might, just because he's there, might end up spending like, uh, we'll say, 20K at the store. And the person that they're shopping for is like, keep the other 10K. It's yours. And they ship everything back. Wow. And how often are these new drops? Like, where is this? Oh, it depends. It's whatever, whenever. I don't know. Like, Supreme is usually like Thursdays, I think. The sneakers come out and all kinds of times of the week. Um, Thursday? When when in season. Like, I don't know the details of it too much because, like I said, I, I don't know Supreme that well or much of this, this hype streetwear kind of stuff, whatever you want to call it. I like the sneakers, though. What about Yeezys? How often do those come out? Uh, recently, a lot more uh, more frequently. I haven't caught up. Like I said, I've been out of the loop for the last few months. But uh, I know as margin a, in the game, killing the margins, bro. Oh yeah, he's he's killing it with the sneakers, man. Why is he? Why did that work so well? What is it about that brand, that deal, that shoe? It just works. And I think why? there's, I mean, is Nike is definitely pissed about that because he was with Nike first. You remember that? 
And then he asked for like more money and whatever. And then he was like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm going to Adidas. And he's killing it for Adidas. Did Adidas give him a lot? I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't know the details, but I'm sure. All right. Tell me why the Yeezy is such a powerful shoe. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The 350 V2s, which I have a good amount of, and the 700s, the the, the 350 V2s are uh, exceptionally, exceptionally comfortable. Very comfortable everyday shoe. Not necessarily a sports shoe. Nothing you're going to go work out in. uh, Nothing you're going to run in. uh, Nothing that necessarily you'd want to wear every day walking around intensively around the hospital. Though I did for a short, short period of time. Um, they're very, very comfy, just everyday shoes. Sunday stroll shoe, going to the mall shoe. I don't even know if anyone goes to the mall anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Just hanging out, chilling, hanging out wow. with the guys, going to go to the bars and just walk around, whatever, maybe. Very, very comfortable sneaker. So is it. it, it and they look pretty comfort. cool. I think they look cool. I just like the aesthetic to them. Though some of the more recent colors are ridiculously out there but i like the all black ones i like the sesame ones i like the triple whites uh about as ridiculous as i'd go probably the zebras Uh, i like the zebras as well but i don't i'm not about the bright colors that's the only thing i'll I'll never really yeah you're not going to get like the frozen yellows or the glow in the darks or whatever yeah i don't understand that at all for sure i never understand if you like it why not Uh, it's whatever it's an eccentric piece and i think if you do it correctly even if you wear those obnoxious like really loud ones if you wear like black jeans with them it like minimizes it kind of and makes them pop a little bit more so everything else is plain but you have one little flare whatever man i i i get it i kind of understand it i wouldn't do it myself but whatever why is the yeezy boost 350 1450 dollars it depends which one it is uh it's black (laughs) the all black one yeah 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 yeah. why uh it's because it's the older ones especially the older more rare ones that were uh not as frequently released or re-released uh for example i have a pair of uh what they're called oreos they're basically black with uh white beigeish like splatter you can kind of wear them with khakis you can wear them with black jeans they look pretty good with anything um they're originally like 220 dollars but the resell on them now I think is anywhere from like up to like 700s. Really? Yeah. If not, if they're probably brand new, they'll probably cross the threshold of a thousand. That's crazy. I think. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've been out of the game for a bit. Why can't you buy them straight from Amazon? Or am I not looking at this properly? You're probably looking at fakes. They're probably the most fake shoe in the world. I'm sorry, not Amazon. Why can't I buy it? Amazon. Why can't I buy it straight on Adidas? You can, but they don't release those colors anymore. There's nothing on their website. It's like yeah, it's you. they only they only show it when they're about to release. It's not a full time thing. There's a periodicity to them. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's just the scarcity. It's thing. the scarcity. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. I agree. I was thinking for training for my next marathon. By the way, it went really well. Excellent. Um, yeah. Uh, I was, I think, I think for my next marathon, I'm going to switch to the Adidas running shoe. I, uh, I used to be a big fan of Nikes, uh, back in the day. Then I switched to, uh, Adidas, man. I haven't looked back. The ultra boosts really hooked me in. Very comfortable sneaker for really, for me, everything I do ultra boost all the way. I love it. Yeah, man. I'm a sellout. They're not paying me anything. I've bought all my pairs, but they're, they're great. They've been getting a lot. They've been getting a lot of um, 
a lot of positive raps from yeah. the running community. Really? I see. I don't know. I just like them. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't tell I you why. I couldn't tell you the support. The, I just I'm like, this is comfy. It works. Listen, is it going to last you a couple years? Uh, probably not. I go through like four pairs a year. Oh, that's five a pairs. A year. But I also get like twenty to twenty-five thousand steps a day. And it's dirty hospital and New York City and you know what I'm saying? So they and OR floors and there's like blood that gets inevitably whatever on them, you know? But you need a comfortable shoe. I need a comfortable shoe. And I'm not gonna wear clogs. There's a big thing in the community and my work, et cetera. Yeah, what's up with the clogs? I I can't do it. It's just my wife was telling me about this. She her her office managers at her new job is telling her to get them. Yeah, get some dance goes, they're great. Uh, no, I don't on? get it. I don't get, I don't get it. it. I do not understand it. Is it Maybe a medical it's, thing? It's, it is, but why clogs? Like, why can't you wear a comfortable sneaker? You're telling me standing on a hard piece of wood provides you support and is comfortable? Right. What? Right. We have such great advances in, 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 in various materials that you yourself use every day. You're to tell me that there hasn't been an equivalent, if not greater, material other than wood and leather for your feet? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a podiatrist. But it sounds kind of ridiculous. Yeah, man. All right, bro. All right, rant over. Anyway, pleasure. Great. Good catching up. We actually did not have a plan today. I uh, yeah, have forgotten everything that I was going to say about pedophiles of the ancient world because I've been out of tune. So... We'll bait you to another episode, and maybe we'll share it. Dude, they're so mad at us. If if you're out there like waiting for this little 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 segment, you're like, God damn it! I, I don't think anyone is, but if you are, uh, if you are out there, you are an astounding individual, and we really appreciate. You. Yes. Um, but look at us, dude. Two weeks in a row. Not bad. We're gonna keep New going. Year, back with fresh. New you. We're gonna come back with the freshness for you next. Freshness, so fresh and so clean, clean. <laughs> all right bro all right man i'll catch you later this was great yeah. good catching up for you wish Thanks you the best me. good luck on your marathon i'll probably talk to you before then but anyway bro it was last week uh, i thought you said you're training for another one well i'm just saying for the next one i want to train for i'm thinking about oh just just speaking to the universe it was sunday yeah gotcha oh okay went well i was seven minutes over the time i wanted but it went well okay Whatever. Motivation for another one. Really wanted under two hours. Really wanted that. I can't even run probably for like more than 12 miles, but I can run my mouth. So it's good for the podcast at least. That's what you're here for, bro. That's, there you go. If I can do it, you can do it. Anyone out there, you can do it. You can do it. All right. All right, bro. Talk to you later. Bye.